All right, I'm Matt, as, uh, as Pete explained, and uh, just sharing briefly with you this morning. Uh, we're on holidays, so going to keep it really practical. Um, two parts of this morning's message. First part, I'll just be giving you a why, why you should do something. Second part, really practical, what you should be doing, what you should be looking at. So it's going to be so practical, you might even want to take notes to have the pens at the ready, but... Uh, but uh, just in case, I'll, I'll pray and then we'll, um, we'll get into the scripture. So, uh, Lord, we just ask uh, that you'd illuminate our eyes to your word this morning. We thank you for the, the beauty of scripture and, and the beauty of your truth. And just ask that uh, you know, you'd allow it to, to be working on our hearts, that our hearts and minds would be transformed um, yeah, by the renewing of our minds. Amen. So this morning uh, we're looking at Proverbs and uh, the title of the message is A Call to Stewardship. Uh, so where, where are we going? What's the point? Why would I talk about this today? Uh, as Pete said, it's, it's a new year. It's 2015. You, you get out your 2014 diary and you, you burn it out in the incinerator and you say, goodbye 2014, time for a new start. It's time for those new goals, these new resolutions. And, and that's cool if you're into it. Um, but I, I'd, um, I'd probably like to, to look at um, where are we going. I'm going to those moments when you sit down with your family or with yourself or with your wife and you go, well, what's this year going to hold? What's this year going to look like? What are we planning for this year? What are we hoping to do for holidays? What, what career changes are we moving towards for family? Uh, for our kids what are we hoping for this year so right at the moment where you sit down and you plan hopefully for the year um, that's where this message is uh, is aiming for so um, the new year is commonly a time you know you reflect you look back at what's gone you look back at how did we do last year you know what any milestones some trademarks what can we learn from and then you begin to look forward so that um, that moment there that's exactly where uh, this message is aimed. Um, so this is the why. This is part one, why. Why should you do something? Why should you do part two? Um, and, and the why is, is this. The gospel is a call to stewardship. I'm going to read a big long chunk of uh, passage and we're just going to pull it apart a little bit. Um, and it's Ephesians 2.2. 2. Now there's going to be a lot of scripture today so um, I wouldn't follow unless you're really good. Uh, unless you're really good with your phone or if you're really fast at flicking the pages. Uh, but feel free to jot down some references so you can go, oh, is that true? Is this, is this right? So Ephesians 2.2. 2. Um, here we go. So you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved. This is not of your own doing, this is a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, so the gospel, um, when you think of the gospel, I hope you think of Jesus, you think of cross, you think of redemption. The gospel is our only hope. We're just, we're just going bedrock here, just laying a quick foundation just to refresh a course. The gospel is your only hope. Uh, none of us deserve heaven. Uh, none of us uh, deserve heaven. We all deserve hell. Our sin is too much for us to handle. It, it's too heavy a weight. It's a master we can't defeat. We were dead in sin. Um, we were dead, not halfway there. We weren't a good person, wasn't doing all right. I was dead and, and God made us alive. Um, Christ defeated sin for us. He absorbed the curse of sin and took the wrath of God on, his, on himself. And in that place, in the place of the curse of sin, he gave us righteousness so that God is now 100% for us. Uh, when, when God looks at us, he says, my, my son, my daughter, my beloved. So God made us alive in Christ. Um, and, and then secondly to that, so in Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. And what a great gift it was. Now, if you, if you look at the last week or two and you think you got some, you know, you think, I've got the greatest gift. You know, I got a bike for Christmas or um, I got a, a triangle. I can play along to music that I've never been able to play along before. If you think you got the greatest gift, um, just remember the gospel. This is, this is the greatest gift. This is a gift that we uh, were completely undeserved of. Um, unless, of course, you were saved at the Christmas th- service on Thursday, then you did, you did get the greatest gift. Um, so based, based on the gospel, do you see what's happening here? Do you see the impossible at work in your own heart? Do you see redemption uh, being a work of God uh, to, to bring you to life? Uh, that's Ephesians 2. That's the first part of it. The second part of it here I want to highlight uh, for we uh, are his workmanship. That's God working in our hearts. That's God taking what is dead and bringing it to life. Uh, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we were saved for good work. Um, now, just to, to really kind of hammer it home, just to, just to draw that out a little more, I've got a few verses to support it. So, But again, just a really clear statement this is the first this is the why we were saved for good work so salvation obedience grace faith salvation obedience so saved for good work so just to back that up with a few kind of scriptures from around the new testament mostly from paul whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the lord jesus everything so do everything do work do um, your timesheet do uh, marriage do children uh, you know do everything food diet um, exercise do it all in the name of Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies at a, as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship so your bodies the, the things you do your time uh, your attitude your, your efforts um, your, your energies, the things you work at, present them to God as a living sacrifice. 
By the grace of God, I am what I am. That's Paul saying, yeah, I persecuted the church. Yeah, I was, I was against the church. But by God's grace, um, it's a level playing field. I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. It wasn't just salvation, dead end. It was salvation working. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. The other, um, the other apostles. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. So again, salvation works. Grace was not in vain. I worked harder than anyone. Matthew 5, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So your good work is a gospel example. In light of the gospel, in light of seeing the cross, seeing what God's done in your life to bring you to to life, to make you alive, you should be looking at your life and asking yourself um, categorically, how can I bring God more glory in this? How can I honor God by being a good steward with my health or with my kids or with my marriage or my paycheck? How can I let that shine so brightly that God is glorified there through the renewing of my mind and the efforts of my labor. So that's, um, that's the first point. The gospel is a call to stewardship. Can you see the connection there? Based on a, a few scriptures there, you can see how it, salvation uh, compels action. It compels uh, work. Uh, second point, and this is where we start to get practical. We're not quite there, but just I uh, have to preface it a little bit. Um, good stewardship or, or action um, movement requires wisdom. So by living in a way that um, brings glory to God. So uh, let's look at this here. Okay, so... No, we'll read this. I'll just need to get a quick drink. Um, Uh, pink's in, apparently, so don't mind me. Uh, it's my wife. Uh, you know the story of the talents? Um, a master is, or the master is, is going away. He's traveling to a far land, and he calls his three servants to him. He gives them a talent. He gives them five, two, and one. He comes back and says, all right, what do you got to show? You know, I gave you, I gave you a talent or, or a gift or some money or an opportunity or, or um, a marriage. Uh, and what have you got to show for it? How have you invested that? How have you been a good steward with that? Uh, and he has two responses. So to the first two, he says here, um, that they, they took the five talents, invested them wisely, and doubled their efforts. So he, the guy with five gives him ten. He says, I got ten talents, master, you know, um, all yours. And, he, and his master says to the first two, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. To the third one, he, he gets frightened and, and realizes his master's um, he's, a, he's a stern man. He's, he's uh, scary, you could say, in that, in that he takes his work seriously. So when he entrusts you with something, he expects something. Um, so he goes and buries his talent in the ground. And he says, oh, if I just can keep it safe, um, I'll give it to him when he gets back. And what does he say to him? He says, you wicked and slothful servant. 
You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. You knew that. You're a wicked and slothful servant. Now, isn't that a little bit challenging? <laughs> isn't that just a little bit, when you're looking at the opportunities you're given in life and, and an opportunity to be a faithful steward for the gospel, when you look at the areas of your life where there's no change, there's not really any movement, there's no forward process, there's no intentionality, um, do you want to hear that when you, when you, when you pass away, when, when life is finished, you stand before God and he goes, you're married, you wicked servant. What were you thinking? You know, like what, what was the idea there? You completely missed it. You were a terrible steward. Your wife, you know, she does not love you. You were not tender with her. You know, do you want to hear that? And that's an encouragement again that yes, the gospel is a call to good stewardship. But good stewardship requires wisdom. And that's where we're ha- headed with Proverbs. So it's, it's, I'm taking my two talents or my one talent or my five talents or my 80 talents and I'm going to work for Christ. I'm looking at grace, I'm looking at the cross and I'm saying, yes, I want my life to reflect that. It's, it's an internal compelling uh, towards good stewardship. Okay, so, um, and then just a, one more preface Thank you for your patience with all the prefaces. I just I feel like every time I speak, I need to set it up so securely so that there's a good foundation there. But uh, Spurgeon says this, To know is not to be wise. Um, many men know a great deal and are the greater fools for it. There is no fool as great as a knowing fool. Um, so, so when we're talking about good stewardship requires wisdom, it's not knowing a lot. Um, it is, but it's not. You can study all you like and still be a huge fool and make a huge mess of your money. So you might be a great investor, but you don't know what generosity means and you don't know why you should be generous. You could have a lot of money and, and have faithfully and diligently invested it in, in great returns, but be really, really stingy and be and have no, no concept of generosity. So it's, it's wisdom. We're not looking for knowledge, we're looking for wisdom. Um, so now the question is, uh, what do I do? How can I be faithful with my marriage and my money and my trade and, and leading my family? Uh, how can I be more productive or, or plan uh, better or be more diligent to the glory of God? Um, and this is where we look at Proverbs. So I love Proverbs and I love just the practical application it has. Um, Proverbs 2.6, and this is kind of the centering for the, for the rest of what we're doing this morning. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Um, so this is where uh, the Proverbs are a great encouragement to those who want to make great decisions for Jesus. Um, Pete said uh, the other day, and I don't know if he's been quoted before, but um, soak this one up. Um, Proverbs, they're the intersection of God's revelation and natural law. Um, So when you think about Proverbs, they they call them maxims. They're not promises. Proverbs aren't, do this and this will happen. They're they're a path. This is righteousness. This is what it looks like. This is what it could look like for you. This is folly. This is what it looks like. So it's not a direct application uh, it's not, you know, okay, all right, I know what I need to do now. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a general kind of direction. This, this is a really good idea. This is something you should try. 
Um, so right, again, just to, to plan it, so we, we're looking at the right area, right in the moment where you're thinking, where are we headed this year? What are we doing? Um, what do we want our lives to look like? Uh, what, what should it look like? Um, let's go to Proverbs just to see a, a glimpse uh, of what righteousness, just to kind of walk down the path a bit and say, what could a righteous life look like? Um, what could a, a good steward, what could that look like? Um, so we're looking for wisdom, for practical issues to equip us for this year. Um, and just a note, uh, when you're looking at Proverbs, uh, sometimes you, your current actions, it's not that they're sinful, it's just that they're really stupid. Um, so, so for example, um, all teenage guys ever, because um, I've been there, uh, or, or, or living off your income week to week. And I'm sorry, Jordan, don't take that to heart. It's kind of... <laughs> um, you know, it's just foolish, like living off your income week to week, not saving, or uh, just eating out all the time, or not planning for Sabbath, or, or for holidays, or for family rest, or, or working part-time so you can start a world-class band with your mates. It's not always sinful, it's just a really dumb idea. So when you're looking at your life and looking at, well, how can we change and grow? It's not necessarily, hey, uh, you know, there's a huge conviction of sin here, it's just that was a really dumb idea. Maybe the Bible's got some good wisdom for change there. Okay, so um, I'm looking at five categories this morning, just, just intensely practical. So we're just going to look at practical steps at how, how you could grow and mature in these areas. So um, I'm going to give you a scripture and then what it would mean. A scripture, what it would mean. So we've got a 40, 50 proverbs we're going to just whirl through, but just hang on there. I'm just praying that you'll be able to grab something and go, yeah, man, yeah, that's it for me. Write down your little proverb, Proverb 15.3. Okay, I'll have a look at that. We'll come back to that. We'll sit down. We'll talk about it. It's going to be fairly fast-paced um, because we're on, um, we're on decaf this morning. So got, got 12 minutes to go through five, categ- five life categories and the wisdom of the proverb. So planning is the first category. Planning is all about working on your life rather than working in your life. So if you're always working in your life, just what's tomorrow, what's this week, what's that appointment, I'm late for work. If you're always working in your life and not working on your life, you're never really going to have any great measure of success because you're always reacting um, as opposed to acting or being reactive as opposed to proactive. Um, So we plan because we want to be good stewards um, with our time and the opportunities that God's given us. So for example, me and uh, Chloe, my wife... um, my wife, I promise, I lost my ring. Uh, we sit down uh, at the start of each year uh, for a day or for, for a morning, for a half morning session, and we just ask ourselves, what's this year hold? What's it going to look like? How did we go last year? What do we want to change? So kids, you know, we're ready to start um, believing um, for another child. We're ready to uh, start moving Haley on in, in some of the things we're teaching her and trying to train her up in. Um, how are we doing with teaching Haley? Are we really lazy about it? Are we really apathetic? Or my career, how are we headed there? What steps do we need to make? So we just look at every area. And I'll give you a bunch of the areas from us just to give you a bit more of uh, an idea there. Um, and then look at, you know, how can we be more faithful there? So initially, uh, Proverbs 16.3. Uh, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Planning begins with prayer. Uh, this is talking to God. This is, this is quiet time. This is 
time away. This is a, a day retreat. This is um, sitting down with your wife for the morning. The kids are being looked after just to pray and, and say, you know, God, uh, we want to plan and be, we want to be good stewards, um, but we want you to be in it. We want to center our hearts on what you want for us and what the Bible wants. And it, it just begins with prayer. Um, so turning off your phone, getting out of the office, going on a hike, doing something uh, as an intentional way to just quiet your heart and begin with prayer. Um, Proverbs 20.18, plans are established by counsel, by, by wise guidance, wage war. Uh, so this is, it involves wise counsel. So this is, um, who do you involve in your planning process? Uh, if you're thinking about family, um, who are you talking to? If you think about your career, who are you talking to? It's seeking counsel uh, with older men or women or people down the road from you. Take a moleskin or, or take a, a, a smartphone, um, an iPhone. Uh, write things down. So when you're meeting with people, you're learning, you're seeking wise counsel. Even when they don't know that they're giving you wise counsel, you're just learning off them. So be intentional about meeting with people and, and deliberately, hey, I'm thinking about uh, starting a business or growing our family, so I'm going to meet with a business owner. I'm going to meet with a family of five. How did you guys do it? Where did you start? What did your finances look like? Just writing stuff down, just getting in the head, seeking wise counsel. Uh, Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So planning requires diligence. Uh, so it's pray, um, seek wise counsel, plan, and then run with it. So your exercise routine isn't working uh, because the treadmill is a coat rack. Or your um, new diet's on the rocks because you won't throw out the caramel popcorn. Uh, planning requires diligence, so, so faithfulness. So we've got a plan. There's a lot of stuff that wants to pull us away from that because we're busy, woe is me. Um, but it requires diligence. So you plan and you, you're happy with your plan. God, you know, I think Jesus would be really, if he looked at our lives, he'd be really happy with his plan. So we're going to stick to it. So there's going to be, oh, but we really wanted a holiday here and it's going to cost us a fortune. But no, this is our plan. So it's diligence. Um, and oh, there's this big opportunity that we need to take now. If we don't, we'll miss it. We've got a plan. Um, so it, it's diligence. It's just poking away at the plan, just slowly taking small steps um, and then and then two kind of not moving forward but peripheral uh, thoughts there plan uh, planning doesn't involve evil it doesn't plan evil proverbs 24 8 whoever plans to do evil will be called a schemer or, or 329 do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you the whole idea there is we plan to honor god um, the point of planning is not just to be more productive or, or it's not just the four-hour work week. Um, as good as that is, the, the whole idea of planning is to honour Christ, is to look at my time and say, how can I be a more faithful steward? Uh, so you're thinking about the little things. So maybe, you don't, maybe you're not planning to, to kill someone or you're not planning to steal a whole bunch of money off the internet, uh, but look at the little things. So... I'll conveniently forget to tell my spouse about this to make him look like a fool. Or I'll manipulate this person into doing what I need so I can get the job done quicker. It's, it's, it's your attitudes and your thoughts that just really minor things plan evil. Um, so that is not uh, part of faithful planning. 
And lastly, prioritizes faithfully. Um, the question here is just big picture planning. What do you need to say no to? Uh, you can't keep adding things onto your plate uh, and expect everything to work. Uh, something has to come off. If you're adding something on, something's coming off. Um, if it's not coming off, it's falling off. So uh, when you look at your family and, and sports and friends and community and church and, and time management, you can't just keep adding something on. So when you're thinking or looking to commit to something new, run it through the list. What are your priorities? What are the big priorities? Boom, boom, boom. You know, um, uh, Christ, um, spiritual development, family, church, uh, work, friends. You know, run it through the list. Where's, it la- where's the priority? Does, is, it, is it up there? If it's not, then you probably have to forget about it unless you're willing to take something off. That's planning. Uh, a few questions to quickly ask. Um, just three questions. When looking at my life, if I'm a uni student or if I'm a, a child um, still living with my parents, um, or our life, my, me and my wife or our family, what is our overarching, what's the point, what's the big picture vision? If we could kick any goal in the next 50 years, what's, what are we going for? You know, honey, what, what are we, what's the end goal? We're driving the car, what's the, what's the name on the sign? What's the town we're headed for? Um, ask yourself the question. Um, I think as a Christian, it'll be very, a very similar answer, but own it for yourself. When looking at the coming year, this year, January to December, how can we get closer to that? So, so what do we need to change? What isn't lining up with that at all? And, and where can we improve? So maybe it's lining up, but we're just doing a really poor job of it. And then finally, um, these are some of the categories that we plan um, in our family. So when we're looking at our marriage, goals for our marriage, for our family, for career, for church, for spiritual growth, for our health, um, for our community and for our friends, holidays, self-development, so what we're reading, what we're studying, how we're growing, our house, um, so you know the investment of our house and our home, the things in our home, what does Chloe want, what, what would she like to upgrade, etc. Um, money and, and budget, so spending, saving, investing, and then lifestyle, so uh, date night and, and, and going out and, and enjoying certain things, um, just to plan that, just to kind of look at everything, uh, that exists and, and to be a little bit intentional about it. Okay, marriage for men. So we're going to go marriage for men, marriage for women. We're going to have a quick look at kids and then we're going to wrap it up with work. Um, and it's only going to get faster. Okay, so um, marriage for men. Um, and the idea here um, for men, you've got an opportunity to be a kind husband or a tender husband or you've got an opportunity to be a cruel husband. Or, or you could say rash husband. Um, so we start with Proverbs 31:28. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, excellently, but you surpass them all. So he encourages her. He loves her verbally and publicly. He's proud of her works and efforts. Honey, I love what you're doing here. This is amazing. It is so good for our family. I love the work you put in there. He encourages her. Uh, He trusts her. The heart of her husband trusts in her. He will have no lack of gain. That's 31.11. So he trusts her. He trusts her to spend money. He trusts her to make decisions. He trusts her to spend wisely. And he trusts her to build their home. Um, 
uh, you know, for their family. Uh, he rejoices in her. Um, 5.18 says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always with her love. So he rejoices in her. So he's, he's, he sexually, yes, he rejoices in her, but explicitly her. He's so, so infatuated with his wife that he's not, even, he's not even thinking about temptation. He's not even just curious as, as, to, um, as to lust or, or, or pornography. He's just infatuated and rejoices in his wife. Um, so he's, and, and there's an intimacy there. There's a sense of, I am so, so devoted to you i'm just i just you know i rejoice in you you know there's there's a sense of intimacy uh he isn't angry or provocative 15 18 says a hot-tempered man stirs up strife but he who is slow to anger quiets contention so he's not stirring up his wife he's not he's not the iron thumb you know the iron fist he's not trying to dominate her he's not provocative you know why do you always do that what's the idea there when are you going to change He's not provocative. Um, it says the second half of that, he who is slow to anger quiets contention. This is a big one for me. I'm so quick. I'm just always in a rush to get angry. Um, but such a challenge, just being slow, just chill out. When there's no hurry here. We've got another 60 years to just work stuff out. So Matt, just, whoa, just slow down on the angry thing. Um, that, that is a big one for me. Um, and lastly, he's around. Proverbs 27, like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. He spends time with his wife. So he doesn't spend all his time on his hobbies, on that great car. That it's, it's Honestly, it's going to get 500 horsepower and you're going to love it. Um, or, or at the bar with his mates or on his job because I've just, just got this one thing I need to get finished. And then we'll spend some time together. And oh, just that other one thing I needed to get finished. And three years later, you're not around. So he's around. He spends time with her. They sit down at the start of the week and say, when are we having a date night? When are we spending some time together? When are we um, cooking breakfast? Uh, he's around the home. With the kids as well, same thing. He's around. He plays with them, spends time with them. That's you, man. I hope... Maybe you've written something down there or written a, a verse down. A few questions. Am I a cruel husband to my wife? And don't think just over the last 10 years. Think in the last two weeks. Have I been cruel to my wife? Have I, have I yelled at her? Have I tried to dominate her? Have I tried to, to crush something she was planning? And you don't, you don't have to think, you know, am I domestically violent? And, and you could be. And you may, if that's the case, you need to repent of that. But in the small things. Hey, I thought maybe we could try... Nah, that's a really dumb idea. I don't think that'll work. Second question. Would I trust my wife with five grand? If we got given some cash, would I be able to say, um, Honey, I'd love you to faithfully invest this. Spend it on whatever you want, and I trust that for our home, you will make a faithful investment. Would I trust it with that? To have no say in it. Just to say, Honey, here it is. Go for it. I trust you, and I love that you'll be faithful with it. My wife, does she feel tenderly loved by me? Sit down and ask her. Sit down in, in the middle of the week. Say, honey, do you feel tenderly loved by me? Not just love, not just, yeah, I love you, honey. Have a good night. See you in the morning. You know, see you after work. 
Does she feel the tenderness of your love? And then finally, do I invest time with her? So do I deliberately write it in the calendar or or tell my wife, all right, Saturday morning, 7 a.m., we're doing this. This bike ride that we've been talking about, it's on. It's going to be so cool. You know, do you invest time there? Okay, marriage for women. Proverbs 12.4, An excellent wife is the crown of of her husband. But she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. So this, this is she submits to her, husband leadership, her husband's leadership. So this is um, the way she talks about him with a friend. She's not dissing him. She's not dissing his ideas or his, his leadership and, and vision for the family and for his career. She's not, oh man, he just won't get off this um, career train. He just, you know, wants to be the best um, mechanic in town, uh, you know, it doesn't really make any money. The way she talks about him um, and and with her her friends particularly, in my mind I'm seeing a group of uh, young married women at a cafe having a good laugh um, but with a huge opportunity to gossip about their husbands. Oh man, you should see what he does here. Um, One of the ways she submits to his leadership is by supporting him. So the way she talks to other people. Um, but she willingly follows him. If you want to try out this, let's give it a go. Um, all right, let's do this. I don't really like the sound of it, but all right, you know, cool. We'll see how we go. Um, she's for her husband. Thirty-one, eleven. The heart of her husband trusts in her. He will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. So she's, she's his biggest cheerleader. Man, honey, I know it's been a really big week, but you can do it. I'm, you know, I'm so for you. I, you can do this. She cheers him on. She encourages him. Um, she, she supports him. Come on, honey. You know, it's been hard and we've, we've done it tough for a little while, but you can do this. I'm so for you. I love the way you lead us as, as a husband. You know, I love the way you lead the family. She's for her husband. She isn't quarrelsome. This sounds great. Um, it's better to live in the corner of the housetop or the corner of a roof in 21, um, then in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. So that it's saying it's better to pitch your tent on the roof of the house and I'll be way over here um, than in the same house as a quarrelsome wife. So this, uh, the idea here is she doesn't, she's not crying to try and win the argument. She's not, she's not, trying to get the pity, you know, oh, you always do, you do. She's not quarrelsome with her husband. She's not stirring up, stirring up arguments. She's not manipulative towards her husband. Um, okay, and then um, she works hard at home. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So that's pretty straightforward. She just works hard at home. So, um, you know, for, for young mums, just... 24-7, just always got something on the go, it's asking, how can I be more faithful with this little bit of time here? Or, or when I've got some nap time, how can I be investing in myself, in my house, in my husband? So rather than just catching up on The Good Wife or on Gossip Girls, or uh, they're great shows, I'm sure, so I'm getting some, blank, I'm getting some evil stares. Um, it, it's, it's kind of intentionally... You know, I do have a pretty full workload, but how can I be a, a better steward of, of my time at home? Um, and, and she just works hard. So her husband just looks at her and goes, man, wow. And you see how they, when they're done together, the husband's going, man, 
Love it. You're amazing. You know, thank you for what you do. And the wife's doing the same thing. He's working hard. So it's, they work together. Um, and sorry, the verse there is she considers, um, oh no, I read it already. Finally, she's proactive financially. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. And then another verse down, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. So she's involved with the budget. Um, if you're not married yet, you're not racking up a big credit card debt for your husband to take over when you get married. And kind of surprise, at the altar, you kind of give it to him and say, wait till you see what's inside. Um, she's proactive financially. So she's not reckless with money or, or purchases. Uh, she, she's involved in the budget. She has a keen interest there. She's invested and, and, and they, they kind of both carry the weight of that. Where are we headed? You know, how can I be more proactive with our money? How can I be a, a diligent investor? What investment opportunities do we have? How can we be generous with others? So she's, she's on the front foot there. In, instead of kind of just week to week, okay, we'll just do this and oops, we've suddenly got nothing left. She's proactive. Okay, a few questions. Are you a shameful wife? So the way you talk about your husband or, or even in your, your, your thoughts and your attitudes, um, are you shameful towards him? Do I support his leadership or would I prefer to run the home? Um, would, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right, thanks. I'm okay. Uh, you know, uh, would you prefer to do everything yourself or do you support your husband's leadership? Do I make the most of my time at home? And how do I talk about my husband to others? About his career or about the decisions he makes or about his hobbies or about the time he spends with his family or, or our family? Okay, family... Um, mm, we're going to skip it she's making a family conscious call um, work alright we'll finish here um, no we won't we've got work and then just a quick recap over all of them <laughs> good one okay um, work is Proverbs 23.4 so this is uh, what a worker isn't so this is the sluggard so the sluggard the guy you don't want to be um, just in case, you know, sluggard's an old word. They're like, what's a sluggard? Sounds cool. <laughs> Animal kingdom sort of stuff. That's the guy you don't want to be. Okay, so a sluggard is working for the money. Proverbs 23, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Um, so the only reason he's in the job is for the money. It's got nothing to do with honoring God or being a good steward or being faithful with my talents um, and developing his gifts and passions. It's just... Cash is king, man. There is some money to be made here, so I am in. I don't care about where my boss is headed. I do not care about my, my co-workers. I'm just making some money, all right? So let's just shut up and get the work done. That's a sluggard. Um, he's lazy and idle. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. This is great. This is, um, I've got it further down, procrastination. Just coming into work late or, or, or checking out early, smudging your timesheet so you can get more money or, or giving other people jobs that you should be doing, not carrying your own workload. I just, I'll just do the minimum amount to get by. Um, love, sleep and recreation. Uh, how long will you lie there, O sluggard? When, when will you arise from your sleep? And then he says again, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And this, again, this is just, um, I'll, I'll work three hours today. I went part-time 
because I got this new Xbox game and I'm liking the top 10 leaderboard. Um, so I'm doing pretty well. I've got a bit of a name online. Um, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting some good opportunities. It's just, just recreation. Just, I'd rather spend 30 hours a week on my hobbies and work 20 hours a week because um, just recreation. Just, just sleeping around and just tinkering with stuff and just working on the car. Um, he's lazy and he's a sluggard. Um, this is similar to lazy and idle. Does the minimum needed to get by? The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. Um, I can't do that or, you know, I don't really have time for that or, or it's just too, just too much. It's too much work. I'll just do this and then that's just a big risk. We'll come to that later on. And we've got a few here, so we'll just fly through them. He's self-deceived. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. That also says a little bit about how you talk to a sluggard. You take eight men because it's going to take a lot of work. Um, so he's, he's self-deceived. He's, I just need a bit more sleep, okay? I just, I'm just, I'm just, uh, you know, he's self-deceived. You don't need more sleep. Well, if, if, sorry, some people do, but a sluggard doesn't need more sleep. Um, too much work just ruins your life. Just need a really healthy work-home balance, you know? Just 20 hours work, 50 hours home. Just need a good, healthy work-life balance. Or I just need more money. Man, if we only had just 10% more money, hey, wouldn't we just... We'd just be fine. All of a sudden, our problems would vanish. And I just can't get anywhere with this. You know, just, just this job, you know, I just can't get anywhere. So I'll just keep going in the same cycle over and over again and pity myself. He's looking for easy money. Uh, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. There's a few about this. In all, to- in all toil, there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Uh, so he's into get-rich-quick schemes. He's looking for ways to work less and make more money always talking about new ideas to make lots of money. He's, he's gambling. He's looking for a big win. He's buying lotto tickets. He's just... that The heart there is how can I just work less? How can I just be rich? Now, how can I just be filthy rich and escape this burden of work which just takes up so much time? It's just such an inconvenience um, and comes from a terrible, terrible worldview or, or biblical worldview of work and what work is supposed to look like. Uh, he procrastinates. Um, same scripture, uh, a little sleep, a little slumber, folding of the hands to rest, poverty will come upon you like a robber. Um, so, you know, I'll get around to it next year. We just, we really want to go on this big holiday. So just, we'll spend all our money there and I'll do all the work here and then we'll, we'll come back to, to budgeting later. He just puts it off. He, he just, oh, there's a big job, I'll do it later. I'll clean up my act, ne- I'll clean up my act next month. He puts off wise living because it's hard. And the promise there, or not, sorry, they're not promises. The maxim there is he's going to be poor. He's going to have no money. He's going to have no motivation. He's going to have no energy. And that's half of Proverbs is just kicking him. Just, man, it's just not looking good for you. A few questions here you can ask yourself. This is for women at home as well. If you're not in the workplace, but for every kind of work that you do, you run a business, you work for an employer, um, you know, you're, you're working at home to build your home. Um, what's the point? Why do I work? Why do I get up at nine, sorry, go to work at nine, come home at five? 
Um, what, what am I doing there? What are we trying to achieve? And just with an encouragement, go back to the Bible. Uh, am I proactive with my work? So does, um, that's the same as this question, does my boss love the job I do? So am I proactive? Am I getting to work early? Am I thinking ahead? Am I, am I planning and investing time with my employer, with my employees? If I run my business, self-development, and I'm training, training myself, am I the best in my field? Am I proactive? And would my life really be better if I just earned that little bit more? Sorry, you missed it. Okay, now just we're just we're done in a couple minutes. <laughs> just to just to kind of tie it all together. The gospel is a call to transformation. So the first half, the gospels are called a stewardship. Second half, the gospels are called a transformation, just to kind of sandwich it together. Um, and the good news here is when you look at all of those categories uh, and, and you think, man, I'm not really kicking any of those, the good news is there's hope for fools. So when I, when I look at last year and when I reflect on the plans we made in January 2014 and the plans that were not fulfilled or, or we, were, we were just too lazy or, or we just went in a totally different direction, um, I realize, you've got to realize there's areas where I, I just need to do so much work. I need to grow so much more in maturity here. Um, and there's areas where I just need God's wisdom to continue to grow and change me. The good news is that Christ is more than capable. And, and deliberately, I pointed us towards the gospel at the start. Because what happened there was, what happened with the gospel? You were dead. Christ brought you to life. You were dead. You were dead in your transgressions. You did nothing to come to life. Christ made you alive. Or, or sorry, God made you alive in Christ. He wants to do and is going to do the same thing continually. So in my terrible attitude towards our money or our budget, um, it's going to bring you to life. Through the word, he's going to renew your attitude there. You know what? Your money's a great opportunity to be generous. Your money's a gift from me. God is going to, you know, through wisdom, continue to make you alive to the Scripture. Um, and that's what can get you excited about the change. Because um, I was dead, and the gospel is the work of God to bring me to life. Um, so as you reflect on some of the categories we've been over, and begin to think where you've got poor habits or, or uh, old thought patterns, and no direction, you're asking God, it's, it's both, it's, Asking God for wisdom, would you illuminate my heart to this? And it's getting to work. What are we changing? What, which way are we heading? What are we planning? Um, how is our marriage going to look? What, you know, what are we praying for? What are we hoping for? And going for it. So it's both the work of God to transform your heart and your obedience to bring about change. So again, those contrasts are the first. Salvation, obedience, or, or grace and faith. It's, it's the working together. So, just for example, if you're lazy uh, and unmotivated to work, you, you work part-time because, uh, you know, you, you're trying to start a rock band, um, go to the Irish. There's a great opportunity there. That was a joke. Uh, if you're lazy and unmotivated to work, pray for Christ to renew your mind and then put your faith into action. God, I was dead. You brought me to life. Now, um, will you also help me to work diligently and faithfully? The change begins internally by the power of the Holy Spirit and is worked out practically. And I'm spitting all over this iPad. 
So just to finish here, um, Colossians 1.9, it just kind of pieces it together. Uh, and so from the day we heard, and that, that's not in the text, but he's referring to their salvation, their reception of the good news. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Get to know Christ, get to know the word, you'll become wise. Wisdom comes from him and and goes back to glorifying him. So when you're looking at your life this year, when you're looking at where we're headed, um, where have we just made a mess and and we really need to grow and mature there, um, it's my prayer and, and I hope it'll be your prayer for yourself and your family that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And the result there is to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So I'll just pray and we're done. So Lord, we just thank you for your wisdom for us that the Bible is, is strongly you know, theological and, and unpacks the truths of God, but at the same time, hugely practical and, and very down to earth. So we ask that uh, the Proverbs, um, as, we, as we read them and allow them, to be at work, that they would transform our heart and and to transform practical things, to transform the way we work, to transform the way we love our wife or the way we support our husband uh, and transform the way we, um, you know, love our kids and discipline our kids. We just thank you for the the beauty of the gospel and the treasure of your word and um, just pray to be at work in our hearts. Amen.